Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. Welcome to the Next Step Pod. I'm Jay. And I'm Brad. We got it right that time. Uh, yeah, and I'm Jay. I'm an act. Yeah. All right. Hey. Better self-identify every time. We are going to break format, and we're going to talk about some church news, and that might dominate the bulk of our podcast today. Yeah. I think it's, it's heavy. interesting news we're, that came out today. You and me are traveling to go uh, have an Ask the Addict a little later that yep. we'll add at the, the end of this podcast. And so let's just go right in. So... Mormon Newsroom updated uh, its official website, mormonandgay.lds.org. Yeah, I saw that. It's all over Instagram, Facebook. I didn't get a chance to read the full article, but I did skim through it. So what what was the vibe on Instagram, Facebook? Uh, well, what, what were the I comments, saw, I should say? Randomly, I think since we started the, the podcast, you know, we opened our Instagram page this week. Yeah. And so different people following me, different things. So I think different things are coming up on my um, yeah, yeah, your yeah, home yeah. feed or whatever. Yeah. And some guy had liked our things, and um, someone had liked one of our comments, and I went on his thing, and he had posted it on his page. He was so grateful as someone who does suffer, who's also an addict in recovery. I think that's what I got the gist from his page, and then also same-sex attraction. And to me, so then I hadn't read it, so then when I was here tonight, after the meeting, I was reading the article. I didn't think the church stance changed that much. Now, I'm, granted, I'm a convert, and I haven't been a member my whole lot, you know, for that long, you know, 12, 12 years, I think, next month, but... What 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 really changed as far as the policies on the church? I didn't think anything really changed. I thought it was a great article from a PR standpoint. I, I think the main change is that it's being talked about. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think uh, yeah, you've been around longer. What was it? What was it like you know, twenty I, years I don't, ago? I don't. I'm not going. We don't speak for the church, but so in my perspective, yeah. it's being a member. I think there was discussion. Is like, are you born gay? Do you turn gay? Like, do you no really looking knew. at pornography or looking at like? Do, do you does that cause you to turn gay? Can someone make you turn gay if you're molested? Like, or are you just born that way? And I don't know if science is, is resolved wow. on it. I think I, I still, to this day, hear different opinions on it. But I think the church stance is like, we don't know. We just know that, acting, that way. behaving or acting out and having sex with someone besides your spouse is against God's commandments. Yeah. So whether that's a, with, a, with same sex or with a hetero, you know, heterosexual sex outside of the marriage covenant. Yeah. And then, see, when you say that, like I think about, like uh, it's it's it, like when I'm you're new to a meeting, or if you're an addict new to recovery or new to these programs, one thing that you sometimes do because this is what you've been used to doing because you're you're conditioned to do this, um, is to focus on the problem rather than the solution. Mm-hmm. I think so so many years people you say fo- that all the time. Yeah, it was, well, because that's all I did is I was focusing on the problem, and so many people when I talk to them about their their family member, their loved one, or themselves. It's always the problem, the chaos, this, that, and the other. And no one talks about the solution because no one knows the solution, you know, in the beginning. But with the gospel, you do have the solution. And it's like, this has been talked, this is interesting, is same-sex attraction is not something that's new. It's <laughs> no. talked about in the Bible. Like, you know, this has been going on since the beginning of time. But but I, I do think it wasn't addressed. It was just, As, uh, yeah, we, yeah. we talked about, uh, uh, we hear it a lot Publicly, of time where people say, church, yeah. just 
whatever bad behavior, just stop it. Yeah. If you love God, if you love me, like you that's what everyone would tell me all the time with drugs. If you if you loved your family, you love children, you love God, you love this, you love that. Just stop. And even I told myself that. Even I questioned that. If I really love my family, why why can't I stop? If I really say I love God on Sunday here on sacrament meeting, I'm standing up in front of everyone. Why can't I stop doing these things? It, and, I was working and, and in the temple at one point. So, I was doing so, things that, like, I, I couldn't. So the same thing probably could be told to someone I who has same-sex attraction exactly. and saying, just stop. Stop being attracted. I can totally see where they're coming from because yeah. I, I, there was there was a time in my addiction where I finally did want to stop. In the beginning, no, I didn't want to stop using drugs. Now. Like I, I wanted to do these things. I thought they helped me. In the beginning, they kind of did. Okay. But then I got to the point where I wanted to stop, and so, I couldn't. So interesting. So you're, you were breaking the word of wisdom. Yep. But you said I want to because it helps me in this regard. I, yeah, right? I mean, I mean, at, when I first started, like I shared in the first podcast, it was on my mission. So like, it helped me knock doors without having to to focus and slow down. I didn't want to slow down. I thought God wanted me to run. And there's a scripture. That's what's crazy. There's scripture about this. But I always thought I I needed to change my state because I wasn't good enough. I needed to be magnified. Because in the church, you get that sometimes where you're like. Well, that's that's the I it's guess human I should nature be clear of just because you took a prescription medication doesn't mean you're regular wisdom. Yes, absolutely. But, yeah, that's a, absolutely but, the case. But for me, but for, you said, but when I took it, I had a euphoric high. This is what separates us. I had a euphoric high. What that means is, is I had a change in my my state of mind. My consciousness was altered to the fact of not just like whoa, I feel groggy. It was no, this feels amazing. It was an amazing feeling. It was like an which the is only the opposite what I feel when I take an opiate. Exactly. Like some people take a painkiller and they're out, they're sick, they're, they go to oh, bed, they I sleep. I hate surgery because I'm like, I don't want to feel like Yeah. I'm or when sick. I took that pill, it did the exact opposite. It was like, it was like the most, the most happy feeling I've ever felt ever in my life, ever. So could 21 this, years could, of living could, at that point. And could that this was the be, most. could we make an analogy of, I, I am not sexually attracted to, to same the same sex. sex. Yeah. But someone is, and I don't understand it because I don't understand like you can't understand. I can't understand what the opiate prescription yeah. opiate. Yeah, I don't understand like how good I can understand maybe speed because when I take caffeine, I'm like, oh, I like that. Yeah. I like being awake. Yeah. So I could I could see the attraction of of uh, wanting to do something uh, that maybe is not the right thing, and and that's what it comes down to is. And you've said this before in the meetings we've had this discussion, and even before we started the podcast, we were just talking about, um, you know, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, we're in a fallen state, right? And mm -hmm. so we get, we get into, you know, we're attracted to things that are outside of the commandments. This is what I've learned that I'm attracted. The reality is I'm human. And for whatever reason, I'm attracted to really good things that are inside God's commandments. I really am. I'm attracted yeah. to doing a lot of these good things, service and help. That's something I really want in my life. But then there's another side of me that is attracted to the things of the world outside but, of the commandments. But, and, and if you study the gospel, that's normal. It's completely normal. It's normal. But I think. You get in that cycle though, you and you start shaming like, well, yourself. I f yeah. Why, you, if I'm good, then why do I am I attracted to those things? And then right. you start thinking there's something wrong with you. And this is why I think they tell us to go to the temple. This is why I think they tell us to read our scriptures daily. These types of things, and not to get into a full on gospels. Please you know, do. You know, but it's like you know, we just went back to the temple for the first time, and, and sadly, it's almost been a year since we've been back. And you forget, you forget. And when I don't read my scriptures, I forget that I'm not the only one that has struggled. You know, in Second Nephi. Um, chapter four, he, the guy, he, here's a prophet, one of the most righteous prophets, the first prophet of the Book of Mormon, is talking about his sins that so easily beset him, that are so easy. He's weeping. He's weeping so much that his pillow is wet. And it's like this guy is like talking about I don't, he, I don't think Nephi had a pillow. 
you know. Let's be fair. Maybe but he, his but he says his tears wept his pillow. He says it is a pillow. Yeah, it says something about his pillow. Go to Second Nephi four. I'm gonna look that up. My Keep, going. Keep talking. Yeah. He's, he's uh, a pillow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Check okay. this out. Okay, okay, go ahead. Um, but he talks about the about falling, uh, basically falling into a sin so easily, right? So easily, these things that are so easily. When I was an act, I was so attracted. Once my addiction started going and started progressing, it's like it was so easily. Um, they were there, and I was just tempted, and I, no matter how much I wanted to do righteousness, and that's what Nephi was talking about, is we're, we're human. But then he goes into this, like, in that same chapter, which we had a talk in Elder's Quorum this week about this exact verse, and he goes right in, in the same chapter where he's talking about his sins and how he's natural man and he's fallen. Then he talks about, but no, his soul hungereth for God, and, and God has preserved him in the wilderness and done all these things for him. So like I said, it made me feel comfortable when I first read that chapter many years ago and, and now again that I'm not the only one. There are other people out there. I'm not terminally unique. We use the term in AA and NA and, and ARP. I thought I was the only one that was attracted to both, good and bad. You, you can yeah. be that way and still be completely God's well, son and, or daughter. And, 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 and isn't somewhat church culture of I'm never, we're not going to share the fact yeah, that. Yeah, no dear. I even heard that when I first joined the church before my mission. They, someone sat down with me, a leader in the church, and I won't say who, sat down and they talked about it. They taught this in the lesson and talked about me personally because I was a convert and I was very open. Mm -hmm. We don't share our dirty laundry. That's not something we do. We go on our mission we talk about the solution, which I get. And you don't want to share your – but however but, – But there is probably a, a forum to discuss it. There is an extreme forum to yeah. do it. There's yeah, probably a right time to do it. Right time and wrong time. time to do it. you got to go by the spirit. However, mm -hmm. I do think the more – church does this the more it shows that like hey this is not a worldly thing this is in our church it's it's a human mm -hmm. thing it's human a human thing. challenge mm -hmm. i shouldn't even say problem because it's a challenge yeah right that's what we're talking about if we're in a real fallen state this is meant to be this is god's plan it's not our plan and that means these are challenges not problems if they were problems he wouldn't have created them but i i don't think he creates problems i think he creates well, challenges he us, well scripture say he gives us weakness tw well, yeah either 12 weak weakness, weakness not problems though yeah i think weakness and problems see my brain always goes to problems the cup's half empty that's a problem I'm gonna thirst now. Yeah. But like the way he looks at it is like this is a this is a weakness, a challenge. This is then by the way, here's your key to doing it. Be humble. Be and, submissive. And all of us have different weaknesses or challenges. hundred percent. And to different degrees. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean So I, if we walk through a casino. Yeah. I you you probably I, be able to walk through it, but I wanna oh, I'm I wanna, so cheap. Like I, you're so cheap you wouldn't think twice. I'm so <laughs> frugal and I do the math, I'm like, why would I waste my I'm money on that? I'm the first person to go to the ATM. Yeah. And I'm still an active member of the church. But, but that, that's, that that's, is a high temptation for you. It, it's not even. It, it's, it's still hard to this day. Okay. To, so yeah, like if I were to walk through the casino, it's just. just if you're born go. that way, shouldn't you just embrace it? Yeah. See, that's what the world would tell me, right? That's the what. World that's, would, yeah. yeah. So if, me, it's, if you have the money to do it, and you're not yeah. harming anybody, and that's what I, that's why I've told myself. But how how many how much money have I spent um, uh, trying to uh, I say entertainment or all these things? But it's no different then that money could have been used for my family. It could be in my bank account. It could be used to helping others, which I've had the opportunity to do, thank God, since I've been sober. And there's so many other things, tithing, fast, all this other stuff. And yet, but in the, in the moment, I don't think like that. Not at all. I think about, this is fun. This is exciting. Yeah. This is, this is something I get to do that's, I earn this. And that's where we turn. And, and how about, do you do this? No. At least it's better than oh, better than X, Y, or Z. Every ad, every human probably like, no, and if they don't want to admit this and they're lying to themselves and everyone else, but every time I ever did anything in my addiction or even in sobriety that is on the line that's outside of the commandments, I'm always making that distinction in my brain. I'm always trying to justify and minimize. Better than this. Yeah, and and I have a good uh, leader in, in recovery, and he always says we can we can never have uh, two things in our life: excuses and justifications. <laughs> 
you have excuses and justifications, you're going to do bad things. And the, for those of us who are addicts with drugs and alcohol, you may be gambling with your life. That's how it is. See, with sexual sin, that's another yeah. thing we talked about earlier, right? We, we t- talked about today. Sexual sin, you, unless you get AIDS, like, you're not dying. Yeah, and even nowadays with medicine, that's yeah, probably true. not life or death. Like, if no. you're in America, you're probably not going to die. Or right. in these uh, established countries that have medicine. You, you will die spiritually, but you will not die physically. Yeah. And you can do it and in I've, secret. I've seen this with myself and with others. When, it, it's, when we're talking about pornography, it hasn't led to maybe infidelity with their spouses mm-hmm. or cheating or, or sexual encounters with other people. It's just started with pornography. It's very hard for the addict to stop because you don't have... The, the consequences, like if I get on opiates, you're going to know within 30 days. You'll probably know within a week because it's so yeah. progressive. Yeah. You'll notice that my, my demeanor will change like my, my wife was talking about on that other podcast. And so th- things change right away. With pornography, it's it's a quiet addiction. It's something that you may, you may notice a little bit of anger and a little bit of resentment, a little bit of change in character. There's no hangover. There's no hangover. There's no breath. You can't smell it. Yeah. You can't sense it. You know, Unless you find it on the computer or the phone or the smartphone, then how are you going to know? So it's something that a lot of addicts and alcoholics will get sober off drugs and alcohol, and they'll 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 revert to another disease or to another di- sorry I shouldn't say another addiction, which is a disease of pornography, because it's a silent addiction. It's something that you can use without someone knowing. But like we said, all those things keep you out of the the safety of God because they're out of the commandments. So let's get back to the the topic up here and. Uh, same-sex attraction Q&A on there why use the term same-sex attraction and not just gay uh, it says same-sex attraction SSA refers to an emotional physical romantic or sexual attraction to a person of the same gender if you experience same-sex attraction you may or may not choose to use a sexual orientation label to describe yourself either way same-sex attraction is a technical term describing the ex- describing the experience without imposing a label. The webs- this website uses the term to be inclusive of people who are inclusive of people who are not comfortable using a label, not to deny the existence of a gay, lesbian, or bisexual identity. I think maybe some people are offended that they don't say gay, bisexual. Yeah, I mean, or, I guess you could say like lesbian. addict or alcoholic. I mean, like in the beginning, I had a hard time identifying with those terms because that means that every time I say it, then people are gonna think, okay, so he's still using. What does yeah. that mean? But you see, people say I'm an addict in recovery and whatever it is. What right. I found with labels and what I found with same-sex same attraction, I guess you, the reason why it's it's good to identify with these things is because once you get through recovery and you start finding peace in who you are as a person and following the commandments and doing better with your life, the only way someone else who's in the hell of the disease of addiction and the thrones, whatever it is, same-sex trap, whatever it is, drugs, gambling, pornography, sex, I don't care, heterosexual or homeless, I don't care. So the it, only way they can identify is with someone identifying, right? How do I know right. if you're one if not in a meeting right. unless you don't share it? Right. I've had people in meetings share that they're same-sex attraction and an addict and alcoholic. If they didn't say that, maybe someone else in the meeting would never have reached out to that person. Totally. I would have never reached out to my sponsor if he didn't say his name was so-and-so and he's an addict. Mm-hmm. How, how would I have known he's an addict? But that's a difference of inside an ARP meeting versus out in public. Totally. Right? Yeah, obviously so, I'm talking more inside the meeting. So inside a meeting, uh, people put their own labels on. We hear a whole bit for kind. I'm an addict. I'm an addict recovery. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm yeah. just my I'm just myself. Yeah. I struggle with something, but that's just a self label to put on. I think the church is saying you're like, look, we're not trying to offend anybody. We use same sex attraction as generic for people that don't want to label themselves. And and this also comes down because I think about this as like if you're listening to us, you may not be a member. 
we, we believe, like I, I do personally, like once again, we don't speak for the church. It's the ability to choose. But I believe that's also God's stance. I believe from day one, he gave his commandments. We're all in a fallen state, but he wants us to choose whether we want him or not, whether we want to follow the gospel. So no one's ever in the church or, and if they are, it's their own opinion, but at least that I've ever seen, no one's ever forcing me to keep the commandments, whether that's like what we're talking about on this subject or whether it's paying my tithing. No one's ever making me choose, saying you have to choose this to be a member. Reality is it's do you choose God's ways or not? That's it. And so I believe in that freedom to choose as well. Mm -hmm. And so, but I do know and I have seen with those who have same-sex attraction who choose to follow God's commandments, they find peace. They find recovery. When I say recovery, I don't mean just sobriety and sustaining from acting out. They find recovery to the point where they feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. Because so many of us, when we're in our disease of addiction, drugs, alcohol, gambling, we shame ourselves to the point where we're beyond saving or we're beyond God's love. What, when we uh, talk to the, uh, the gentleman we're going to interview, I, I'm curious, and I want to get his take on it, maybe I'll take your take, is PG-13 maybe here? Yeah. Sexually attracted to women, myself. Yeah. Sexually attracted to my wife, highly. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I don't, I'm not sexually attracted to other women. Yeah. But I got to keep that in check. Yeah. But if I say, hey, that's how I am, man, just love me for how I am. And I, and I embrace that identity of, look, I just love women and I love all si types of women. Yeah. I can't settle on one woman. And I go down that avenue. I'm well, I, I've personally known people who've gone down that avenue and okay. it leads to cheating. Well, heterosexual cheating. I'm talking about heterosexual breaking the law of commandments. What, they break be, what, what, because they start minimizing and justifying, right? But no but excuses so and justification. Yeah. God's commandment is have sexual relationship with your spouse. Yeah. What a, but so it is breaking commandment even if you're like I want to have sex with multiple women and my wife's cool with it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not your commandment. See, that's where we're in. And where I think this is and, always. And gonna... I I I just not satisfied, and if I don't do it. Yeah, yeah. See, and that's I think so. First of all, I think this is a challenge that's been around since the beginning of time, right? I mean, there was there's people taking. We know Adam's Adam and Eve's children. Just some of them decided to follow him. Some decided to go their own way, and it went on through the Book of Mormon times, the different families with Lehi yeah. and their children. There are always going to be people taking God's commandments and their views and then mingling them and mixing them. And so I honestly believe that, yeah, it's like... We can pull it into step it. three, trust in God. So decide yeah, to turn your will and your and your life over to the care of God, eternal Father. So and That's a scary thing in the beginning. Like In the beginning, you're like, whoa, I've maybe the addicts tried this. Maybe the person was saying such attraction. Maybe they've tried that before outside of ARP, I'm saying, and they didn't find help. But I guess what? I tried to get sober a hundred times, hundred times. I've, I went to rehab at 15. I'd done all these things, but not until I came to the ARP meeting, the addiction recovery program that the LDS church provides based on AA and NA did I find sobriety and get recovery in my life. So it, just because you've tried other methods does not mean that, that God's forsaken so, so you or whatever. So if this, this meeting is what I'm trying to say is this meeting, the reason why we're doing this podcast is because I believe that this, these steps, like you said, in step three, Trust in God. You don't think I had heard that before in the church? Of course. But something about my disease that had humbled me to the point of, of where I was, that recognizing I had a weakness, that I just had to let go and let God, they say. That's step three. You let go and let God. What uh, you always, this is your favorite quote, mm -hmm. you always talk about. Oh, yeah. I was, you know. So it says, so this is Boyd K. Packer in the Quorum of Twelve. Um, he described the decision to yield his will to God, and the freedom that um, decision gave him. He said, perhaps the greatest discovery of my life, without question, the greatest 
commitment came when finally I had the confidence in God that I would loan I would loan or yield my agency to him without compulsion or pressure, without duress or a single individual alone, myself. No counterfeiting, nothing except other than the privilege. And so, you know, I just think that when we, when we let go of our pride and our ego and we let God, like, which, which is step three, then, then the change happens in our life. And he, he's the one that heals our heart. You know, that's what we were talking about um, a couple nights ago in, in these steps. And it's not ourselves. And see, the addict or the alcoholic or the whatever disease you're suffering from, it's all about changing your own state of mind. I want to change. I'm in control. Step three tells us to trust in God. He's in control. Which... And to let go. I think... Let go. Yeah, okay. Let okay. go. It's just let go and let God do the rest. And it's a process. That doesn't mean you're just going to wake up and feel great. You've, you've talked a lot about, and I think we can lump in any, any behavior that is contrary to God's commandments. Any behavior. That uh, I remember you saying that you never thought you would stop taking drugs. Ever. Once I became... Because it started with one pill, but then it, I ended up on five different prescriptions. I had muscle relaxers. You I could not see downers. living without that. Yeah, I got to a point where there was a pill for everything. Do you think, uppers, and, and down, you've uh, interacted with, within the ARP program, some yeah. people with same-sex attraction, do they feel the same way? Like, I will never yeah. not be attracted to the same sex. I, and I've, I want, I've heard people say that they were just going to bury it. That they were just going to hold on to it and not tell anyone. I've heard people white say. White-knuckle it. Yeah, white knuckle it. Or I've heard other people say that, you know, it happened one time when they're in their youth and and that was it, you know, and, and they would never they would never go from there. But reality which, which is in which I think Which can be the which, case. Which, I mean people have people have done I've I, we've done bad things in our the life. Atonement's for. Exactly. Um, but that's what I we think a great thing about this is is it it I don't think it was talked you asked me earlier, what has this church changed? I don't think it's changed. I think it's bringing awareness. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And that, to me, when I read it, I didn't think anything changed. But it's awareness. To it's you, awareness. You've been a member longer. It's awareness, and I think if someone has done... They don't have to label themselves. So like they they said, don't have to label themselves, thing. and yeah. they can realize, oh, there's some understanding, because this is ministering. We're, minister, we're supposed to minister to people That's to bring true. them to the gospel of Christ. So now we, I think what's changed is, let's minister people that yeah. we may not understand. I don't understand addicts until I really got to know you. Yeah. Then you realize we're not we're not that much different. And it's just one of us had a decision huh. behaviors that were could kill them and the other one didn't. You know what I mean? Like that's reality, right? So it's the same thing with same sex attraction. We're all the same. We all have the same blood color. We all have the same all this stuff. So, and so it's just So when a couple comments on Facebook were together. like uh you know until the church fully ex fully accepts us meaning oh those see with, that's with, to me that's self-imposed isolation that's what those people are doing so they're saying us meaning they're different than me F and you or fully fully right? there's a few like, right until like, the, yeah that's what they do that's fully that's accept what, the the same-sex attraction that's what i'm saying but they're, they're the ones isolating themselves the church is saying you're welcome that's what i got when i read the article that's why i didn't think anything changed i never thought the church shunned anyone anyways maybe you did in history but well, not since the last the, 12 the, years the i've been controversy under. i think comes down to uh, around some of the policy of if you're a child, uh, I may slaughter this, but um, if you're married, same-sex couple, mm -hmm. same-sex couple, which is legal in some states, yep. and I have a child that's within, you know, I don't know if it's a, whatever. They can't get baptized. They can't get baptized. I heard about that. Um, but, 
but I think that's still the case. It's still yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the new thing. So I think a lot of people had a problem with that. But I think the compassion is family is important, and if you've crossed, I, I, I this will probably be a horrible analogy, but uh, pornography is against the law of chastity. Mm-hmm. If I'm a pornographer, I'm creating pornography. My wife, if big if right here, we don't do this. If we were creating pornography and selling it, I'd still be. Yeah. I'd still. You should still accept me as a person. You should still love me, but I'm doing something that's contrary to God's commands. Um, but if I'm actively doing that and I'm promoting that lifestyle, it would be a lot. Yeah, um, it would be unfair to. It would be a mixed message to my child who's going to church, who's being taught that that behavior is wrong. Mm-hmm. So wait, my parents are doing something very that's against the, the commandments of God. I'm hearing that on Sundays and at my church activities. Yeah, it creates and challenge for the It's going to create a conflict at all in that home. It's, it's like it's like legalizing marijuana. It's like, what a, what a conflict for the children, for the youth right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, imagine growing up, I mean, it's a different subject, a different tangent, but let's just stay on that. Yeah, it's that's conflict. That's hard for kids to understand. One group but at to church me, this goes back one, trust in God. I trust that our prophets are receiving revelation, and I have to trust you, but I don't understand it. I have to trust him. Because am I trust myself? Am I more righteous and more like I understand? So my what I've learned about what I've learned through recovery, through reading the Big Book of AA, reading the ARP program manual, uh, learning all about the twelve steps, original ones, learning about the gospel. God is a God of mercy, and God's a God of love and compassion, and He cares. And if we truly seek to understand Him, everything is made light. And period. Have you heard anything contrary from our general authorities to that message? Never once. That's have why I have a hard. That's why I have a hard time when I hear but, antis. I've seen. I just saw a buddy the other day that I've seen in a long time who's also an addict in recovery. Well, I don't know if he's in recovery, but he's an addict. I know yeah. that for sure. He's left the church and now he decided to post all this negative stuff on his page. And I wrote on there, "What a bummer!" You know, like what a bummer. We saw another brother falling like from the gospel, and. You know, of course, he freaked out, and all of his non-member left the church followers. You know, they were all like, probably once members. How dare you? Should this is the type of stuff? Blah blah blah. They were like ridiculing me for saying that, but I really meant it. Mm-hmm. But what I also said was, it's interesting. When I joined the church, right? When I became a Mormon, 19 years old, I didn't go back to my friends and family and then say negative things about the way they raised me. Negative things. Negative. 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 How dare you? How could you have taught me these things for years? And truly, you didn't give me the full knowledge. I didn't do that. I didn't go back to the you know, right. I didn't go back to the born again Christian churches I went to and said, "How dare you teach me false doctrine? How dare you dare you dare you?" And start posting all their sermons. But it's interesting when members leave the church or when members find themselves in a quandary with policy changes and this, that, and the other. They can't help. It's like it's like they're they're searching for. To me, you're searching for something. You're obviously not getting fulfillment in your decisions because when I joined the church, I didn't feel the need to do any of that. I loved. Everyone more compassion for them. I loved them. I felt more compassion. In fact, I wanted them to know what I knew. But even if they didn't, I loved them even more because they accepted me for who I was. But the last thing in the world I would ever do, and I'm a very vocal person (laughs) who wants to convert. Everyone knows that. (laughs) The last thing I ever would do was ever bash anyone or go in and feel the need to promote all the things that they taught me wrong. Does that make sense? But that's interesting that that's what you see. Every single time, without fail, when I've seen someone leave the church or to go and do something different, they're posting, 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 posting. They can't just leave. It's interesting. I don't know what that means. There's a correlation there, though, with something. And so, anyways, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, I have opinions on it. Yeah. I, think, I think it's, I hope this, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I think that's what the point of these it's... podcasts is for people to think and to and to and to, and to, and to, to form their own opinions and to trust in God and do step three. Is trust in God because there are members maybe listening to this that haven't they haven't made a decision yet. Well, trust in God, let go and let God, and pray about it. How many of us do really take these questions to the knees and say, "All right, Heavenly Father, this is what's going on in my church." I just post it on Facebook and I see what people think, and then I come up with my decision. That's I, what I'm saying. I tweet it out and I'm like, "Hey, what do you guys think?" And then I. But then I think I, people really do that. <laughs> I think so too. You see what I'm saying? No, like, I do, because do. we're in a weird. This is where we have evolved, and this is where it is different. These sins and stuff we're talking about have been around forever yeah but we're in a different state where that's no one has ever had connection like we've had to yeah, uh, be a human that's race a good point yeah okay so no one's ever had access to everyone's opinion like we do well, it's only been in your inner circle well even more so if i post something on facebook all of a sudden my feed gets filled up with whatever with i think thing. whatever i think so yep. if i post something well, pro, gonna, pro something yeah. all of a sudden i got all these news articles all these other posts exact same thing so it's not what i <laughs> i checked on surf paint the other day and how to do it uh, on my feed is like all these different videos and people and surf companies all stuff yeah. i change it to guns it's gonna go guns if i change it to whatever it anti-Mormon. is it's gonna be anti-mormon guess what all that will show up is anti-mormon yeah. feed so we're in a unique state where people are getting it's like the lehigh's dream not necessarily but it's like there's oh. so much in it like, so much the mist. The darkness. there's so much mist it's, some of it looks so true and accepting, and you want to you want to like break. tangent. You just went back to the first thing. Pillow is not mentioned in the Book of Mormon. I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone can find pillow. Let us know. Second Nephi four. I just searched it on the. Where where where's the? Oh, you man. go to topical guide, and you can actually search it. And I even searched up the proper way spelling of pillow, and it's not there. But anyways, I think you're totally right. Is today environment? It's you. We are getting conflicting, and we will get if I'm. Whatever deviant behavior I'm into, I can find a support group that's going to tell me that that is who I am, and I need to embrace that. Totally. And I think that's that's tough if you if you have an attraction to something that's contrary to God's laws, and we're going to get we you can go get filled up with every you know plenty of ammunition and information that will tell you that what you're doing is you trust in yourself. Trust in yourself and trust in the way you feel, the way you think you should be, versus trust in God. And is trusting God always easy? No, no. It's something I'm still doing. It's something that daily struggle. It's a daily struggle for some of us. For some people, it's not. And I'm glad. I'm I'm so grateful. There are people that I can look up to that they just don't trust. They always trust. I'm saying they don't question. I'm glad because then they give me hope to, to be the same way that I can eventually be that that and i've been that way in time see when life's going good anyone can trust god yeah okay when you're you got your everything lined up and everything's working out for you it's very easy to do that so um step three process trust in god uh go do that step let's uh finish up here because we want to save time to add at the end our ask the addict is there anything else you want to add to step three no just keep trusting. Just one day at a time. I think one thing to be mentioned, it's progress, not perfection. You don't arrive at this thing. I think I want to end with uh, the words that come from Reinhold Niebuhr, who came up with the serenity prayer. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Yes. Can you quote it? Not 100%. Yeah, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No. You, come on. You say this all the time. I know. The first time I heard it was in my rehab when I was 15. But it's... Uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The wis- wait, the things I can't accept the things I can. Wait. Go ahead and cheat. Okay, okay. I'm gonna look at this. Okay. 
Okay, God grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage, that's it, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's on my chip, for your chip. Okay, well, let's end with that. All right. Trust in God. All right, thanks for stepping in. All right, we're going to go to the next part of Ask the Addict. Right, wrong, what to do someday. Hey, Jay. Hey, how's it going, Brad? Good. We have a special guest today. This is Steve. Hi, Steve. I'm Steve. I'm an addict. Steve Steve. is, uh, if you hear a little voice change, Steve's voice is not normally that man that we haven't voice changed it yet, but we may either be higher pitched or lower pitched than it is normal. Steve is going pure anonymous today. We believe in... Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, we believe in being anonymous. Okay, so uh, when we interview ask, when we interview addicts, some will be break anonymity and share as themselves, like uh, you'll see in the future, and like Jay and others will want to keep that and and only share things within the rooms of ARP. Is that correct, Steve? That is true. So we are on step three, and that is trust in God. When you first walked into the doors of ARP and you approached step three, what was your experience? Spend a few minutes talking about that. Uh, step three was it was very scary because uh, I didn't trust a- at all. Uh, you know, I, I struggled with addiction for twenty five years of my life, and God didn't help me in those twenty five years. Why is He going to help me now? Um, and so, fortunately, the, the steps build on one another. And so, step one, I just I just needed to be honest with myself. Uh, step two, I started to get hope. Uh, and step three, I was learning to trust God. But I think that the biggest fear for me um, was actually kind of taking a taking a jump off the cliff, if you will, uh, and um, handing the reins over to him and seeing where he was going to take me. So do you remember, like, what was the the biggest thing that you lacked trust on? Like just everything in general, or was there certain principles of, of approaching recovery that seemed hard to trust God? Well, you know, I, uh, again, 25 years of addiction, I just, I seem to, like most addicts do, we, we switch um, drugs of choice. And what was your drug of choice? My latest drug of choice was pornography. Um, but I claim, uh, I identify as an opiate addict. Um, but uh, again, you know, I, I started out with coffee after seminary with my with my fellow students friends um so did let me retract did you grow up in the church uh, i did a pretty pretty devout family um, pioneer stock and that certainly didn't uh, didn't save me by any any sense of the, the term there okay so you addiction early coffee like did you think you were addicted to coffee no, but it, it started with, that was just my way of rebelling as a 15-year-old. And so it started with coffee, you know, at the, at the time we had early morning seminary, they didn't break it up. I 
you know, at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 7 o'clock. It was just, you went at, at 6 o'clock in the morning, and if you didn't have a zero period, you sat at school from 7 to 8 until class started. And so instead of sitting at the school, we sat at the coffee shop and drank coffee and then coffee and cigarettes. And then soon enough, it was methamphetamines. Um, and it was copious amounts of meth to the point where I was, I was selling um, to support my own habit. Um, got arrested a, a number of times and uh, decided to, with the, with probation looming, I decided to just switch my addiction again just to alcohol. I got off probation, went through alcohol and marijuana, and then opiates. Legal probation or church probation? Uh, legal probation. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so how old were you when you switched from just like the rebellious, like, Teen wanting to, you know, teens nowadays drink probably energy drinks and things like that, and they're just wanting to be a little edgy, like you said, coffee and maybe cigarettes. Then when did it switch to the hard drugs? It was about 17, 18, so from about three years of just slow progression into, into utter craze. When did you realize, or was it a gradual where I'm an addict, like I can't stop, this is bad, and I can't stop. Was there a time when you realized that? Oh, gosh. I don't know, because I always thought I could control it. Okay. You know, so no. Okay. And were you going to church at this whole time throughout these years where you went from the first trying math to then dealing and getting probation, getting arrested? Were you going on Sundays? No. I, I stopped going at about 18. When I started the hard stuff, you know, Coffee, cigarettes, yeah, I was still going. And then uh, when I started on methamphetamines, I just went AWOL for 15 years. And what got you to stop? Just kind of like you were at that point, uh, for, for me, like when, when I started using drugs and going to church is too hard, you feel too, you know, you start to, you know what you're doing on your, your spare time. So then when you walk into church, you see everyone else who's more than likely not doing those types of things. It's very hard to be there. Is that kind of what was going on? Well, absolutely. And I just, I, I felt everybody put on this, perfect persona um, and I was far from perfect uh, and I think as we all do we just want to put on our, our happy face every Sunday uh, and my happy face was nowhere close to what everybody else's. So it got too tough I mean that's how it was for me eventually like I went but then it was like I mean I used to always be into church but when I got heavily hooked on the painkillers after I was married it was like I, I look for any excuse to be out of sacrament look for any excuse to take my kid out and walk around the church building you know those types of things. Did you feel, both of you can answer this, but self-isolated or did you feel people judging you? Like, did you, were they judging you or did you feel like people were judging you? I think that's, you know, people don't want to be judged. So like, don't judge me. Did you, were you actually judged harshly or were you more judging yourself, Steve? So I, I absolutely was judging myself um, because I'm looking around and seeing everybody else being Perfect. Um, they weren't necessarily quote, yeah, quote, quote unquote perfect, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, for for myself, I mean, there were times where I did feel judged. I came home early for my mission, so there were were moments where I felt judged. But for the most part, it was just like Steve said. Um, with most addicts, including myself, it's self self inflicted. You know, it's isolation. So you're you're creating isolation to draw yourself away from those in your life that are good because you don't really know how to be good. 
you want to be good. You may want to be good. That desire may still be there. It's like a little flicker of like a candle right before it burns out. That's kind of where I was living for a long time. Um, but I just didn't know how. I didn't know how to to want to do good at that point. That's where I went, at least. So. And then other question is, do you remember a time when it was like, peace out, bail the church, and I'm going to like, I'm out of here, and I'm going to point all the flaws in the church and make church go away? Uh, absolutely. Did you do that? Yeah. Okay. Approximate age, you don't have to be exact, but like early 20s? I don't know, it was, it was about, about 17, 18 when I started math. That's okay. probably why I started on, on the hard stuff. Um, because I, I was trying to do the right thing. Um, I went to the bishop and had um, some, some conversations with him about some sexual encounters with the same gender. And um, he brought my mom in to the meeting. Um, I don't think... I don't think he knew how to deal with it. Certainly, my mom didn't, and so it was. Um, it was there wasn't even any repercussions. It wasn't like a, you can't take the sacrament anymore. There was no. It wasn't probation. It was just like, well, don't don't do that again. Uh, and we walked out of the room, and my mom and I kind of cried all the way home in the car, and it was never talked about again. Um, and so I didn't I didn't know how to handle that because I had these attractions to both male and female, and. Um, no one was helping me navigate that that attraction and so since we couldn't talk about it i started talking um hard drugs with my friends that was a, that was to hide it mm -hmm. um i want to come back to that because our news article was on this topic so that's that's a great segue but i want to hear jay your answer to that question as far as a decision point of i'm going to stick this out in the church or like I'm yeah. out of here. Being a convert to the church, I was never going to leave. I just knew that the church, uh, even when I was disfellowshipped at one point, I actually got, you know, disciplinary council, disfellowshipped, almost got excommunicated. Um, I I was ready to leave. I, same thing, I, you know, I was messing up with a girlfriend that I had and committed some sexual sin right after my mission, endowed. And I, but I wanted to get clean, just like, just like Steve was saying. And so when I went to the bishop, I had disciplinary council. And I remember having that face at that road where it was like, either I'm going to stick this out or I'm not. But what I did was I stuck it out. I didn't leave. I still went to church every Sunday. But like I said, that candle just got dimmer and dimmer. And I, I literally at that point, I always wanted to be clean. And I wanted to, that's why I found the church in the first place, right? I wanted the gospel in my life. I wanted to be good. But I didn't know how. I didn't know how to uh, apply the tools of the gospel. You know, these faith, hope, charity. You know all the, like, the principles. You knew but the tools. I knew the tools, man. I went on a mission. I had extreme experiences I had I had great leaders, great teachers, great friends on my mission and throughout my life um, in the church, but I had no idea when the temptations came into my life, when the obsession of the mind that we talk about in the, in, in the program would start happening, the wheels start spinning, basically. I didn't know how to stop. I, there was no e-brake. I didn't know how to hit the e-brake. It's a different perspective than Steve, but did when you got baptized, I think there's a misconception that like when I'm... Because some of the scriptures are like, when you're converted, like, you have no more disposition to do evil. Yeah, you hear but, that all the time. But, and so if I have a disposition to do evil, then I'm bad. Yeah, so I didn't want to admit that, like, I had some questions. Like, for, give an example, not to go on another tangent, but when I went on my mission, I went to the Philippines, right? And I, that was the first time being a kid from Orange County. I went to a poverty-struck country like the Philippines with beautiful people. 
shocking. When I saw millions of children, millions, there was millions of people the minute we got off the airplane everywhere, starving to death, literally to death, but yet smiling at the same time, my brain didn't know how to take that. And I immediately had questions about, is God really there? I didn't say that, but that's what I felt. And then what can I really do? What is, what is reading from a book going to do for these people who are starving? I had those internal questions and I never addressed them. And, and I think- Because how dare I ask something like that? But like scripture, like I have no more decision evil, but in the same board side, the natural man's enemy God. Yeah. And we are always tempted. We're all sinners. Yeah. And the bridge between those two things is, I guess that's part of our life to figure that out. And I, that's why I think that's why it's so important. These steps help those of us who suffer. And I believe 100% that anyone in the church, anyone in the world, they do these steps. Sounds cliche. Um, but if they do these steps, if they take these steps, if they internalize these steps and do them with someone who's done them before, it can help them implement the gospel principles into their life. Like I said, it bridges the gap. That's what it did for me. Okay. Because I had already I knew the knowledge, but I didn't know how to implement it. All right. Well, let's segue back to Steve and same-sex attraction, and let's focus our remaining time with that because I think that's the news of the day. Okay. You're very candid with that. Um, the the Besides the blogosphere and the comment section, the church simply says, we update our official Mormon and gay website, mormonandgay.lds.org, and then it provides ministerial materials for members. So help for like your bishop, who's like, I don't know how to deal with this. There's now publicizing that here's how to deal with it, because probably a lot of bishops don't know how to deal with it. That is, that is true. It certainly was the case for me. So have you been on Mormon and Mormon? And gay.lds.org. Oh, I have. I, I checked it out yesterday when it came out. Um, I think it's taking the church a step closer to where they need to be. Um, I, I, I'm certainly put off by the the URL or the domain itself, Mormon and Gay, because we um, we identify just uh, you know in the um, in the field or as people. Uh, even the church is talking about same sex attraction, but yet they're calling it Mormon and Gay. So when you say in the field, does that just mean on the street? Like, like psychology field. Psychology field, same-sex attraction is the appropriate term. Mm -hmm. But on the street, gay... Is offensive. Is offensive now? Things have but, changed. Things have changed quite a bit, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's what we were talking about, you know, earlier. Just think, things change, and it's cool to see the church trying to keep up and doing its part to, to, to understand and to be sensitive to people's needs. Same with the like, drug addiction, right? I mean, 10, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, the conversation about opiate addict and then and also being a priesthood leader probably would, you know, th those are like oil and water. They don't mix, right? Yeah. But now you can realize that you can be in recovery and still be an addict and still be doing great things. And But I didn't know gay is an offensive word. Like, because I thought L, I'm going to mess up the acronym, L, B, F. Lesbian, I don't gay. know either. Okay. So same-sex attraction, pro church, that's what church uses. Except for the URL. That's kind of uh, weird. I would probably agree if gay is offensive to have that in the URL. Um, but And it's offensive to me. Right? Personally. Personally. Why? And you mentioned earlier about a sexual uh, pornography slash sexual addict. Correct? True. So that's not saying that if you have same-sex attraction, you're an addict. Yeah. But you could be if... I mean, basically, addiction is I am doing something that's contrary to my well-being. 
And if you're in the spiritual sense, if I'm... It's becoming manageable, right? I mean, that's how they identify addiction is by your your ability to, to choose for yourself. Like whether you're heterosexual or same-sex attraction, it doesn't matter. If you're if you cannot control your actions, it's become so unmanageable. Step one talks about has your life become unmanageable from your decisions? Have you surrendered your later ability to choose? I know um, guys that are, aren't have same-sex attraction. However, they've become so used to fornicate, right? To to having uh, sexual relations outside of wedlock or outside of their wed, or, or even if they're not married that they have no ability to choose. The minute their life gets stressful, just like I used to pop a pill, they go have sex. Okay. So it's, it's the same thing. And that's easier today it's, with all the apps. Exactly. And so it's easier to access that. Yeah. So like you were saying, it's not necessarily, it's, it's it means you're an addict. It just, if your life's become unmanageable from it and you're acting out and you can't stop. And fornicating is against the commandments of God. Yeah. Committing adultery is against the commandments of God. So do you agree with that, Steve? I do. Okay. So same-sex attraction is, I, my, my curiosity is, uh, if I'm attracted to having sex with females, I'm married, but I'm still attracted to having sex with females, that, that draw may be stronger than your draw, Jay, mm-hmm. to like, I, you know. That's I, what I was saying, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what, we, there's no measuring stick to say, well, I'm at a. Yeah, you're at eight. So we hear all the time. You look on the menu, but you can't. Look. It's no different. Like I, I honestly view it as it's it's no different. Like I said, if your life's become unmanageable, and if you, what we are cautioned, right? And then this is an LDS podcast, right? We're cautioned. We talk about LDS principles, and the in the gospel it talks about Christ talked about. You know, we wear your thoughts, right? Your thoughts are lead to your actions, and when your actions get going so much, it leads to addiction. It just does. Like no matter what, we're talking about. Like we said earlier, when we're reading the news, just me and you, Brad. Um, we were talking about um, one thing leads to another, and, and, and it gets to the ability where you lose your ability to choose. How is same-sex attraction and acting out on that different than uh, opposite-sex attraction and acting out on it? Or is there any difference? Or is there? So, as far as, it, as, far as sin or gospel standards and, yeah, what and following views? God's commandments? As, as far as sin... It's no different having sex with a guy or sex with a female outside of wedlock. Sin is sin. Um, The desire is also managed the same way that a heterosexual male managed their desire to have sex outside of wedlock. So my friend, who's not married, who was married at the time, had sex probably, I'm assuming, because he was a child. Not married for many years, doesn't, you know, he... I'm sure he wants to have sex. That's a natural desire, but yet he's not married, and he's a, as far as I know, he's living a lot of chastity. But that that uh, that attraction is very real for him. I don't know what degree and what level it is. It could, you know, someone, some guys have more sexual desire than others. But that is that. I see that, but I want to know from your opinion, having same sex attraction, is that any different than a. Uh, same-sex attraction, attraction. Well, I think Jay alluded to it a little bit ago. I mean, we can all choose to dwell on things in our mind, and the longer we think about it, the longer those desires and the stronger they become. I just choose, as soon as those desires for men enter my mind, to brush them out of my mind. And you said you have desire for uh, heterosexual sex as well. Oh, yeah. Is, there, is one stronger than the other? For me, no. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm married to a female, 
for 20 years. Um, and I've, I've screwed up once with um, pretty severely because I had already made covenants with my wife not to have sex outside of wedlock or outside of a, a marriage. Regardless of gender. Correct. Uh, and my addictions with pornography and a couple of bottles of alcohol led me to some decisions that I I, I lost my agency because of the, the alcohol. Because it progresses just like anything else. You know, when I started with my prescription, I took that prescription as prescribed. However, it progressed to, you know, one to two pills every three to four hours to three to four pills every two hours. And then it went on to 40 and 50 and 60 pills a day. Things progress. So there, there may be someone listening who's not an addict. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They don't do meth. They don't do anything. But uh, they're attracted to the same sex. And they're dibbling in porn or dabbling in porn, just like if you're heterosexual, you're going to... Hypothetically, they're yeah. not even looking at porn. They're oh, just, okay. I'm just sexually So far, attracted. they've been able to withstand the urges from acting out or looking at porn. Yeah, I'm not, if not looking at porn, but I am attracted to men. That would be considered same-sex attraction, but you're completely not breaking any sin. And I think that's the clarification here. Yeah, Maybe that's what members, I got when I read it. Members just say, hey, members that think that's stop bad. Stop judging. Stop judging. <laughs> stop judging. That's no different than you, Jay, saying, saying I'm an addict and I'm not using right now. Or, like, or I'm a single years. dude and I would really love to have sex with some girls. But I'm going to wait till I'm married. I'm going to wait till I'm married. And if I don't get coming. married, guess what? It's going to be a long life. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's reality. Like, yeah, that's how I view it. And that's what I got when I read it. Steve? Um, I agree. And you know what, we're talking about a celibate lifestyle for those that are strictly gay. As uh, And if you look at the stories on Mormon and gay. You can't say gay, I thought. True. But I'm, I'm trying to be in alignment with the Mormon and gay website acronym. Wow. And so these brave people that are on that website uh, have come out and they're completely um, transparent. Um, but they're lead, leading a 100% celibate life because... That's what they need to do in order to live uh, with, in the commandments of God. That's the cross that they bear? Correct. Just like I bear the cross of same-sex attraction and addiction. And I can't take opiates ever again. So, <laughs> well, like because you have a surgery, right? If I had surgery, like it would be, I, I would obviously have to take them if you had a massive surgery, but it would be a very big thing that would have to be extremely monitored. And there's people that have done it and maintain their recovery and sobriety. However, that's, that's a real, that's like, that's something that I'll have to, I can never, not, let's just say the opiates, like I said, no mind altering substance in my life. I can't have them. Now, I, I mean, any type of, of drug, whether it becomes legal, like marijuana, Right, which we're having here in California and throughout the country, things like that. No, how how enticing the medical terms can be and society can make it. I can't have it because and, being, and being an addict, I've identified. Fair. Why would God make you that way? Exactly. That that's how I yeah. That's how I justified for years years to use drugs. It, does this and maybe we'll tie it back into step three? Trust in God. Does this where Steve, you've got to trust in God? Like I don't know why I have this. But that's the cross I have to bear, and I'm going to deal with it because I'm going to my weak things will become strong. Uh, correct, um, and that was kind of the, the leap of faith I had to take as I completed step three and started to work on step four, which was that inventory and work through all your resentments and your sexual misconduct and your fear. Um, that was my fear: is that I needed to trust God that He was going to carry me through 
my honesty, and that was honesty with my wife, who did not know that I had a same-sex attraction issue for 20 years, because I, I hid it from everybody since I was 17 when I was in the bishop's office. I, I never spoke about it again. Were you, how freeing was that for you? I mean, if you're talking, if you're, this, the reason why we're doing this, right, is so people can listen, so people can bring awareness, so I can bring awareness to all, the whole thrones of everything, right, in, in life and, and the challenges that we face. How freeing, speak if you would, like, how freeing was that for you and what advice do you have for others that are, that are on the verge of doing the same thing? Maybe they've gone to a meeting before. Maybe they haven't. They're sitting at home. They're watching the videos. I know personally I've sponsored people that um, hadn't started coming to meetings, but they started watching. As soon as those videos came out, they went and watched them. They watched them a lot. And they, they tried to have that be their meeting in the beginning, but of course that's not enough. So speak on, speak on that. How freeing was that for you? How, how do you speak on that? I mean, there's, there's words that I don't even have, but I, I can't describe the peace that I have in my life at this point. I wish I, I wish I talked about it 20 years ago. I wish, I wish I knew about this program 20 years ago. I wish the church had this program 20 years ago. Um, it's just, um, you know, they, they say in, in addiction that, you know, we, we start obsessing in the mind. People will talk about, like, you know, they have the, the chatter, squirrels are in the mind, always telling them to go out and use. Um, all that is gone uh, for me. And it's just, I, can, I, I say to meetings, I can drive around in silence in my car and just and be at peace. Like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to be at home alone anymore in silence because I, I, I feel okay with being who I am now. Um, I, 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 I struggle um, articulating it any, any better than that. So uh, I want to kind of zero in on same-sex attraction. So let's just say it's, let's say it's not an addiction, but if, I, if someone's listening to this that has same-sex attraction and may or may not be acting out, uh, but they want, like, I have to live peace. with this. Can, can the 12 peace. steps... They want, peace. they want to find peace. Can the 12 steps of recovery... Like they don't want to admit they're an addict, but I'm not an addict, but I have same-sex attraction. Would the 12 steps of recovery helped in that regard, do you think? Absolutely. It's, it's 12 steps to change. That's right. Whatever yeah. it is. And, and that's why I like why the, it's changing to the 12 steps of change versus addiction recovery, because I could see someone saying, I'm not an addict. I just am attracted to the same sex. I live every gospel principle, but I have the same sex. And is it not fair that I don't get to have sex? Gosh, is it is it not fair that some people can't have children? Is it not fair that you know some people have to deal with death early in life? Life life isn't fair. Well, agreed, agreed, one hundred percent. I mean, I think I think like what what Steve was talking about is the minute, like if you're a drug addict or alcoholic, you're a sex addict, you're whatever addict, a food addict. The minute there is real freedom, if you're listening to this, I think the thing to take away, just like it is every time. The, the, the real thing to take away from this is the minute you surrender to whatever it is that is making your life unmanageable and you cannot focus, you can't do anything else besides act out on whatever that is, whether that's taking a drug, overeating, overspending, you know, harmful behavior to yourself or to others, uh, sexual sins, uh, same-sex attraction, it doesn't matter. The minute I surrendered to my disease and said out loud, I have a problem, it was like the biggest piece ever. And then, of course... The answer was the next step to keep doing those next steps and then i got more and more and more peace which is exactly what steve i think was talking about steve let's end on this last question if 
back in time, but we have awareness now. I've got a mom or a dad listening to this. And my teenager or whatever age is like, I go back in time or like you're that 17 year old boy. I have same sex attraction. What advice would you give to that parent? Talk about it. Love them. Um, there's nothing wrong with them. That's just, it's the challenge that they get to deal with and they get to because uh, eventually they're going to understand why they are going through that. Um, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm just starting to understand that. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, it, it, it sucks that I deal with this. I mean, a absolutely. Um, it sucks that they, it deals with addiction. Um, I don't think, I don't think that's ever going to change, but we can, we can leverage that and help others and, and we can turn those weaknesses into strengths. And the more I talk about this issue, the stronger it becomes for me. And so talk about it with your kids so that that can turn into a strength early in life versus challenge them throughout. So don't turn the other cheek. I think I've sponsored people before, whether it be drugs or same sex, uh, they've, they've committed or they're looking at same sex pornography. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing that you said, Steve. The parents don't know how to deal with it, just like bishops sometimes don't know how to deal with it. But now hopefully they do, just like with addiction. Beforehand, they didn't know how to deal with it. The point of this podcast, the point of our meetings, the point of why we share our story rather than run and hide and keep our right our light under a bushel like we're talking about is so that we could bring that light into the world and understand and show, yeah, this was a weakness. It is a weakness. But guess what? Because I maintain, because I do these steps, because I live every day in recovery and I surrender and choose to continue to surrender, it has become a strength and therefore it can be for you as well. So the biggest thing I heard from Steve is like, do not turn away parents. Just And if you don't get it, go learn about it. See, so many people, I think the problem with parenting sometimes is when we don't know what to do with it, we just, you don't want to take the time to learn. If you take the time, it's all about time. That's how you spell love is time, right? So, But the real problem is there's not a lot of people like you, Steve, willing to address it openly. And even in this, you're, you want to do it anonymously, but where, where could someone go? Like, I want to go talk to someone and get this real talk. We had to drive a long way yeah. to come meet with you, right? And there may be someone in our backyard that is, but um, that's probably a real problem, though. But well, that's why, hopefully, this, things like this, the program, the videos, I mean, the videos, um, more of us talking about it in church. I mean, you, you know, Brad, you've heard me in, in Sunday schools, and I, I don't stop talking. My wife, Lexi, doesn't stop talking. I'm sure Steve and, and and his local ward doesn't do the you know does the same thing. I mean, it's one of those things where. If we keep talking, eventually people will realize that this is not, it's not like the plague. See, back in the day when they had a leper, you know what they did in Jerusalem? They took them way out to the edge of the city and they had these little colonies of leprosy, right? AA, they would lock you up in a single time if you were an alcoholic. Just 50 years ago, that's how it was. In the 1950s and, and before that, you were more likely going to go get strapped up and, and thrown in there. Back in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, it was your leprosy, right? And that's how addiction, I, in my opinion, in the church and in society was viewed. But because it's such an epidemic in our country, with the challenge of all addictions, it's such an epidemic, not just drugs, everything, is uh, I think our society is being forced and the church is being forced to deal with it, which is so great because now we're realizing, wait, it's not a bad thing to talk about. This is actually very uplifting. And I've seen members come into the 12-step meeting for a family member, a loved one, a friend, someone in their, um, in their stewardship, maybe an elder's quorum or a relief society. 
they come into the meeting just to support and they walk out crying because they go, this is the most spiritual experience of my life. And these are members that have been members their entire life, 30, 40, 50 years old, 60 years old, and then they end up keep coming just because they want to come closer to Christ. They want to change something using the 12 steps. I, I, this may not be my last question, but you are you open publicly outside of the rooms of ARP to talk about your substance addiction? Absolutely. But you're not comfortable talking about same-sex attraction outside the room? That is also true. Why? Um, well, I mean, the church is just now getting comfortable talking about addiction now. Um, so I'm comfortable talking about it in front of the pulpit. We don't know how to talk about same-sex attraction yet. Um, and so I don't know either without being judged. And so if you are struggling with that, come to the meetings, you may find somebody. Go to your bishop because I'm kind of quote unquote working underground with the stake president. So that way, if people are struggling with it, they can go talk to those folks and they will pull me in so that I can go talk to them in a, in a face to face. But we don't know where you are. So you're not going to say where you are? No. However, that same situation may exist in your area. That's true. Yeah, he's a warrior. I mean, this yeah. is like, I mean, it's like guerrilla war. I mean, all of us, really. I mean, this, this program's been around for a while. However, it's not to this degree. But, but how We're many, all on the front lines. You, you two are unique in the fact of publicly breaking anonymity outside in your church wards. That's, and, that's unique. Yeah. Because there are people that we... Of course, that, that have gone their whole life. Street. And that's okay. Yeah, that's what we wanted totally. to make sure that people are listening to us. You don't have to be like me and Steve. That is not... the. It says right there, and we read it every night, every week in our meetings, that we believe in anonymity. We believe that if you don't want to talk about this, because some people may not want to talk about this because of business and other relationships. That is okay. That's mm -hmm. 100%. And Alcohol is Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous is very strict anonymity. Yeah. Very strict. In the church, it's a little different because we believe the weaknesses are given from God, not a shameful thing from the world. It's given to, from God. Yeah. Ether 1227, it's a gift from God. He gives unto men weakness. Do you think, because when I read like the you know, some blog or some Facebook post about this gay member of the church, I get the sense, but maybe they're just spinning it, that they're like celebrating the fact that they have same-sex attraction and just waiting for the church to change their position so that eventually I'll be able to get married and have sex with the same sex. Totally, I've heard that. So there are some within the, our church community that both that say, are saying that think that the church is going to say well, now marijuana is legal, it's being, okay to smoke. I think, I think a lot of people. I think, think people are, can't even wait for their state. So they could be like, well, see, just like a prescription. That's what I did with my opiates. I said, no, I got a prescription, right? You think the same thing, Steve? I, I hope not, but unfortunately, I don't think the church is ever going to change their stance on that. Exactly. Um, Agreed. So, but there are those out there, is what you, Brad was saying, is that I'm sure they're I, out there waiting. The, the voices that I do hear that talk about same-sex uh, attraction are the same voice that do it publicly, that say they struggle, also say, I just wait, can't wait for the church to change so that my lifestyle will be accepted. And it's those same people that keep beating that drum that prevent different approaches to same-sex attraction therapy. If they weren't pushing so hard for acceptance and pushing for treatment, maybe we none of us would be dealing with this. Maybe there would be a pill that I could take to make me straight. I, I have no idea. But because everybody has this gay agenda push to make sure that everybody accepts it, I don't have a choice to go to, and, and take a pill to make this better. I, you know. You have, you have something better than the pill. You've got the atonement. 
And you got the 12 steps, I think. True, but I would just caution that it's not, I mean, this absolutely has made my life better, um, but it, it's a trial that I deal with and it will never be taken away, just like addiction will never be taken away. I will always get to deal with, and I say get to deal with same-sex attraction because it allows me to help other people. Um, the atonement has helped me manage this um, accept it and and actually to the point where I can look at a guy and be like yep he's attractive and move on you know I don't I don't dwell on that but it's, it, the atonement hasn't removed it from me but it certainly helped me manage it no different than Jay in yoga class what Jay, yeah <laughs> in my yeah in my lifetime yoga class can I say lifetime yeah yeah pretty, I don't know it's it, pretty it, intense I mean yeah absolutely that, I you mean, have to keep that in check exactly because the, like we said earlier Brad, when me and you were talking, that God gives you every man the ability and woman the ability to choose, right? Free agency. It's all about choice, right? He lays his commandments out. We choose. You want to be a follower of Christ. You want to be a member of the church. You want to be an active. You want to participate in all the ordinances and the blessings. Then the law is laid out. There's tons of more mercy than we think, right? Tons more mercy that gets taught on Sunday. Just go read the scriptures. It's all filled with mercy, yeah. right? Read these 12 steps. It's all about mercy. And then it's all about your choice. And if you choose, like Steve has done, it's just he's, he's such a warrior. I, 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 I look up to Steve. I'm grateful that he allowed us to come all the way out here and talk to him and, and uh, to hear his story. And I, I know for a fact you're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna help the countless amount of people. And we know what it says in the Book of Mormon about um, the ability to help even just one soul come into Christ, let alone multitude, and how much your joy will be, and I'm, I'm just grateful for you. Okay, so you were nervous to do this, weren't you, Steve? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. How'd you feel after? We're done, but how'd you feel? Yeah, feels good. It survived? Like I survived. All right, All right well. well. Till next time, my name is Brad. And I'm Jay, I'm an act. And we're here on the Next Step Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hold it.